This is 43 Folders, and I'm Merlin, and this is my pal John Gruber from DaringFireball.net. How's it going, John? Good. How are you, Merlin? No, I'm, doing, I'm doing extraordinarily well. We're, this is, boy, this is really good for our first take, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's One taken out. Ah, that's all we need. Uh, well, anyway, uh, y'all know John from Daring Fireball. We, uh, we did a talk about a week and a half ago at South by Southwest in Austin, and uh, we talked about blogging. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, we uh, we talked about uh, trying to do a better job with your blog and kind of doing your best and uh, trying to move beyond like a quick buck to seeing the kind of longer term uh, opportunities. Well, is that roughly what we talked about? Yeah, I think big picture it was about maybe turning yourself around from having your primary goal to be making a bundle of money, which probably isn't going to happen anyway and really leads you the wrong way. And instead, turn around and just think, find your obsession and follow it. Yeah, I totally. And, uh, you know, the response to it's been really good, uh, which has been kind of exciting. And so uh, we want to share that with you today. So we uh, stole the audio straight off of the site at South by Southwest. So we're counting on our friend Hugh to run interference uh, with legal. Uh, it runs just about an hour, and we'll have a couple comments after you listen to it. Uh, for our audience's sake, John, do you remember what the uh, title of our talk was? Sure. It was very, very short and punchy. Hmm. Uh, title was How To... 149 Surprising Ways to Turbocharge Your Blog with Credibility. First of all, I cannot believe that somebody let us have a, this title. <laughs> John, John and I do a lot of uh, ambitious things that we're pretty sure won't turn out, as you know. Uh, and we figured somebody would change that. Don't you think? Kind of? 100%. It, was, it might as well have been titled, uh, title to come. Yeah. 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 TK Gump. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny because we pitched this months ago, and as the title implied, we were prepared uh, to come in and provide a uh, tour de force middle-aged white guy rant about how all of you are doing it wrong. Um, because I, that, is, is that a core competency? Is that fair? It's pretty much all I do. Okay. <laughs> and just to be clear, it's not, John's not going to tell you how it could be a little better. He might get to that toward the end. But uh, he's mostly just going to tell you you're doing it wrong. No, what's funny is, like, so we were like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Like, we're going to be like, ah, you know, don't make a shitty site where you're just trying to get on Dig. Like, it's great to be on Dig, but like, quality, man, we're great. And um, and then what? A couple months went by, right? Right. Yeah. Well, when we got started, it, it when we got started, the, the the general economic situation was pretty much like a constant series of news articles about. Are we in a recession? Is this technically a recession? You need a 0.9% decrease in growth over 10 months or blah, blah, blah. And now, you know, it's, it's are we in a depression? Yeah, it got to be, um, we, of course, we hadn't done anything on this <laughs> at all for, let, let's just say, we, let's say we was pretty much done, what, a month ago? We are all done? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but, but for a long time, we didn't do anything. And finally, it was kind of like, can we afford the flight? <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, I'm glad that I can educate you on how you're doing it wrong, but I don't know if I have enough money in the bank. Uh, it's been a weird, it's been a weird uh, trip. There's a time that John and I have lived through that I think, uh, at least in my own mind, uh, I'll remember as like the golden age of the one-person boutique personal publishing empire. And if you were lucky enough to accidentally land on that gravy train, for lack of a better word, it was pretty, it was kind of an interesting ride. Um, but I think... The original idea of what we want to talk about, in the end, has very little to do with any economic indicators. Fair enough? Totally correct. Yeah. Uh, it is a different talk. Uh, 
I think there are four assumptions that we want to toss out, just to frame this very quickly. Um, we're, we're not here to tell you what you should make, and we're not here to tell you how you should make it or what your ultimate goals should be. But we're going to assume four things about everybody in here. Well, step zero is we're going to assume that all of you make things, right? Like maybe you have a job and you type in Excel and you're not a painter and you don't have a beret. But we're going to assume that you make things. We're going to assume that you care very much about certain issues or topics to a point where you're really verging on obsession. We're going to assume... uh, that it's important to you, whether you're a writer or a photographer or an interpretive dance choreographer, that you want to get better at it. And that it's valuable to you to use a platform like personal publishing to become a better writer, thinker, photographer, whatever. We're going to assume that you, it matters to you to have the credibility and respect of people that you admire. And for the sake of argument just for fun, to make it worth the flight. We're going to assume that you would not mind making a little bit of money or finding some kind of an opportunity that goes beyond the strictly self-improvement aspects. And, and so there's this quote <clears throat> that I, I've sort of hung this whole thing on right from the outset from, from Walt Disney. And, and it's, to me, it's the, the thing that made me want to do this talk. And he said, we don't make m- movies to make money. We make money to make more movies. And I think that's so profound. And to me, it's not, it's not about a, su- a subtle difference in strategy. It's a fundamental, you're either going this way or you're going that way. And so if your interest is making money, and then you decide, all right, I want to make a, a boatload of money from a website, how do I do that? Well, then the next uh, 57 minutes or whatever are going to be useless to you because that, that is not what we're here to say. You can, you know... You can get up. We won't mind. Go, go see Zeldman. Yeah, go see, definitely go see Zeldman. That guy's smart. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I think the one thing I really regret about that, I think kind of funny title. It's kind of funny, right? Sort of? Yeah. It's a little funny. Yeah. Uh, the part about that that I want to make sure we don't misconstrue in the desire to be a smartass is that, you know, like I say, I'm not trying to tell you what you should do. Um, and I'm not trying to judge anything that I just isn't, that I would say just is not for me. And I think the dirty little secret of what we're trying to say ultimately is that it shouldn't matter to me. You shouldn't care. If I'm not in your target audience, if I'm not the person you want to reach, we should both be totally cool with you not caring what I think. And that ultimately the people that I admire, and I think that John admires, it's not about arrogance, but it is about having the confidence to know what you want to say and who you want to say it to. And whether you want to talk about having a good run on Twitter or whether you want to talk about 135 exciting new ways to launch Firefox, that's your decision. But we want to help you do the shit out of that in a way that's super high quality. And I think that's, I think that's kind of where we're heading. Fair enough so far? Yeah, I think so. Um, this is a little rant of mine that I'm going to quickly go through. I have this theory. I don't know if you want to call this blogging, personal publishing. Insert your favorite gerund for putting things on the web that you made. Uh, there's a controlling metaphor for this that means a lot to me. And it, it's, I tried to write this down in a way that's clear, so I'll read this. Topic times voice. Or, if you're a little bit more of a maverick, uh, obsession times voice. So what does that mean? Um, I think almost all of the best nonfiction that has ever been made 
comes from the result of somebody who can't stop thinking about a certain topic, a very specific aspect in some cases of a certain topic. And second, they got really good at figuring out what they had to say about it. And if you have obsession without voice uh, or topic without voice, well, what do you have? You have basically a keyword search. You have pointless reblogging. You have, well, I should say, reblogging without curation, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We all love these sites. We all we enjoy going places where we're seeing things that we've seen before about steampunk. Uh, not a problem with steampunk. Steampunk's, but you know, do, do it, do it well. Um, and then on the other hand, if you have voice without an obsession, you get a lot of you know people commenting on the Thai food that they just had on Twitter. Um, and I guess what we're saying is to figure out where you are as somebody who wants to get better, we're assuming you want to become like a lion of this stuff. And I guess what we're saying is we want to help you figure out whatever it is that you want to do and whatever outcome you want to see as a result, how do you use a platform like personal publishing um, to become really great, to really become kind of like the go-to person for whatever topic you're obsessed with is. Um, Oh, here's the line I wrote this morning, even though this was done a month ago. I said, whatever your topic is, try to figure out how to be better at it than 80% of everybody else in the world. I've, yeah, I've got no, this. I think that's, that's very ambitious, but I'm going to say that's, that's – and you know what? You probably won't be, like, right? Right. I mean, and I think that there's, there's – it's almost like, a, like we need to warn you that there's a certain inherent – douchiness to, to, to what we're doing is we're sitting up here and sort of in some ways holding ourselves up as um, as the examples that are doing it right. And that's, you know, it's, it's sort of in, unhumble and, and not really what you're supposed to do, you know, to be a humble, nice person. But um, we're, we're trying, you right. know. And that's, and that's really the thing. Like for me... That's the 80% is the trying, really. <laughs> I, I've got this thing where, where what I write, I had this idea at the beginning, and, and I've always liked the New Yorker magazine, and it's just because it's so well written, and they will just take any topic that, that whoever's writing about and go into such great length about it, uh, even if it's just one tiny angle of it, and they'll just go, you know, if they need 6,000 words for it, it's 6,000 words, uh, and it's just so well written, and that just is like in a nutshell, like when I want to remind myself what I'm doing at, at Daring Fireball, is like I want to write about these topics I'm obsessed with. And I just assume you guys know, you know what those topics are. I don't have to rehash them. But if they were going to be covered in The New Yorker and if they were going to pay me to do it, um, how would that be? How, 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 would I, how, how hard would I have to work to do that? And you might be saying, well, John, I like your stuff. You know, that's why I'm here to see you. I love your site. You really write about some of this uh, UI stuff and, and uh, you know, oh, the tabs, that thing about the tabs on tabs. Safari. Oh, that was yeah. great. Uh, this, is, this is a man who cares about tabs. So. Oh, that was fantastic. But let me tell you something, buddy. That, that, that shit is not from The New Yorker. Uh, but that's exactly it. I will be the first one to tell you that I've never hit that mark. And that's... Uh, I think it's so important to have a goal that's out there that you know is beyond your reach so that you're always improving. I do feel, I feel like I am such a better writer now than, than when I started the site six years ago. I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind that I'm better at it. And I still feel like I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be. I can write something and, and it'll be the article that, that, you know, when I meet people at a place like here and they'll remind me, they'll say, like, I love that thing you wrote couple weeks ago, and it's something that I just think, oh, my God, that is so far short of the idea I set out to write. Uh, but I, thank you so much for saying it. But that, to me, is the whole point, is that you've got to have 
a goal that is so far out of your reach. And it seems to me like almost everybody else is setting their goal to, uh, you know, to write. Write on a very broad topic that a lot of other people cover to a very large audience that they don't really care about. Right. And some, some people, not everybody, but it's, if there's, if everything is what you want to do, then you're not really doing a thing. If you want to make everybody listen to something you have to say about everything all the time, nobody, how do they know it's for them? How do you know that you've reached the right person if you're trying to please everybody? And I mean, for me, I've got another metric that I use. I like John's. I mean, I'm not the writer John is, and I, I aspire to be. Um, I'll take it in a slightly different direction. No, John's very anal retentive. I don't know if you follow what John does. But I mean... I don't know if you know, on Twitter, uh, John's, John's wife, Amy Jane, who you should follow, is the funniest person on Twitter. And she'll just talk about how, like, he, for, for like half an hour, he'll talk about kerning, like, on something in a commercial. Because he really, really, really cares about that. And you know what? Almost none of you care about that, and that's okay with him. But for those of you who also really, really, really care about kerning, it's nice to find somebody who's on the same page. And if John decided instead... That like he wanted to suddenly branch off into something that he doesn't really care about because he thought it would get him a lot of page views. He's going to cut into muscle by not caring about what you both already care about. And so for me, I have to be honest. Like I, I aspire to different kinds of things. I, I'm definitely all over the map, and I'm kind of desperately always trying different things to figure out if this is the thing I want to do. But one thing I do, I think about it differently. I think about it in terms of the way I put it is, are you guys okay? <laughs> I think about it in terms, the phrase I use is like, who do I want to delight? I try to think a lot, uh, you know, less about like, is this something that will, you know, get me this kind of link? And more like, is this something that John would think is not a piece of crap? Is this something that like if Zeldman saw it or if Dave Gray saw this, like would Dave be into it? Like if it's something funny, like Adam, you know, Slimly Sandwich doesn't think much of anything I do is funny, but I aspire to make Adam Lissagor laugh. Do you follow me? Can you think about like one face behind your monitor that you see when you're making something? Like, can you tell like whether you've made something that would make somebody's day? Or are you just thinking about, you know, a big pot of people who will click on your stuff? Because the truth is, once you figure out who those faces are, it gets a lot easier to make something that you're really, really proud of, regardless of what it is that you want to make. Even, even with something as, as absolutely stupid as, as jokes you publish on Twitter... Um, it's it is true, and you do get you get a certain kind of feedback with like the uh, the favored or favard. How, how, do, how do you? I say favard. Favard, like yeah. so that, that's like the elephant, isn't that the elephant? Oh yeah, favard. He's won the crown, right? right. Um, but the weird thing about that is it is true, and we cheat. I mean, we are we are the worst cheaters in the world at Twitter because we use Wikipedia and a dictionary. Well, and we wrote like scripts to like add subscribers and yes. and. Ungodly subscriber counts, and so of course we get on Favored for really bad jokes. Um, but it, it, to me, I get a thrill when someone who it doesn't. It's not, to me, it doesn't matter how many people you know say the joke is funny. But if there's somebody who I really like who did, uh, oh man, that is the great. Even if it's oh, like, totally like if you're watching Favard to seeing who who like favorited your stuff, like. I mean, that's, it's nice. I, I like it when a lot of people like something. But like when I, like, God, why am I kissing Zeldman's ass so bad? He's not even here. No. But I see his little funny orange icon come up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Zeldman thought something I did was okay. And uh, yeah, that's needy. I'll own that. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's meaningful. Um, there's this, there's this I, I think it's Stephen King. I know it's Stephen King, but I think the phrase he uses is ideal reader. 
There's this book of his that you, most people are sick of me talking about called, called On Writing that I like a lot. There's two kinds of people. There's the people who groan because you talk about On Writing, and then there's people who have read it and go, it changed my game, um, whether you liked Carrie or not. But he uses this phrase, ideal reader, which is, for him, that's often his wife or the first reader, if you've ever heard that phrase. And again, I'm talking about photography, I'm talking about music, whatever you make. Like, who are you making it for? Who's your ideal reader? Who's your ideal reader, John? My ideal reader uh, is, uh, it's like a second version of me. Like, I just imagine, <laughs> no, I do, I, I, I imagine. You're going to go blind. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm just up here to, to lay it all out. I'm going to nah, be very nah. honest, and it, it is, it's totally. Uh, we're, we're, we're pushing the douche button, but I think, I think that's going to be okay. I mean, but that is why, it's why, you know, someone like in, in my racket who's, who's uh, doing the whole thing from home, you know, that uh, most days I don't wear pants. Um, because there's a lot of touching yourself involved. Yeah. You've got uh, to find your comfort but zone. But it is. It's me. And in my mind, it is that I had the idea to do this thing, the thing that has become Daring Fireball. I, had it, I started it in 2002. But I had the idea long before that. And it just never seemed quite right, never seemed quite right. And I'm not quite sure what happened. But sometime in 2002, it seemed like, okay, I've got to actually do it and try it and start it. But in my mind, there's like another version of me that is still thinking now in 2009 I ought to do that, that, that site where I tell everybody how they're wrong about everything uh, and, you know, do my little uh, gray background with the white text because I think it looks better and not have any crap on the page and, and all these ideas. And, but there's a version of me that still hasn't done it and he's out there and he thinks about the same things I think about and he wishes that people would write about these things in great detail and... That's who I write for. I just imagine him out there, and he just loves it. And maybe that's like the worst thing possible because that's the thing that's keeping him from actually doing his own site because uh, my site is so spot on. Oh, I wish I'd said that. Oh, I wish I'd said that. Uh, and I just keep trying to get that. And I always think, too, about, like, is he out there thinking, why hasn't Gruber written about blank yet? Because I know that he's thinking, oh, my God, why, you know, he's got to have a, a story and it works about Whatever. You, you said something uh, that I've seen quoted in other places. I don't know where you originally said this. Maybe, I, one time we were talking on the phone and you said this. And I was like, you know, uh, at a time when it was considered de rigueur to have comments, and I still had comments on my site because I thought I had to have comments on my site. I was like, you don't do comments. Like, what's the deal with that? Like, and you said, you probably remember what you said. And you said it in this kind of passionate tone that was kind of scary. And you were like... You're like, I want to own every single pixel on my site, from right. the top left to the lower right. And if I have somebody come in, even if it's somebody incredibly smart, even if it's whoever, even if it's Soul Brother comes in and has something to say, like somebody really smart and really funny, like it's not my site anymore. And okay, so should you turn off comments? No, that's not what we're saying. But we are, I am saying, like, figure out. If you do decide to own every pixel of what you make, and I'm not saying I do, I'm pretty slack about this stuff, but I think it's a good pattern if you're thinking about this stuff to figure out how you own every pixel of what you're making to the point where you know you're reaching who you want to reach. If it's a broad audience, that's not a problem. Reach the shit out of a broad audience. But if you're sitting there going like, I really hope Malcolm Gladwell sees this someday, or I really hope Annie Lamott sees this one day, or God love me, uh, I really hope Stephen King sees this and thinks this is smart, because that would mean a lot to me. 
then that gets you thinking in a really different way from I just need to post 12 times a day. It's a very different approach. I, I, I have a, a good story about that sort of thing where you, where you finally find out that the people who you hope are reading and enjoying your site uh, are actually reading it. And this was uh, two years ago at WWDC, the big Mac nerd development conference, and it was the first one after they had announced the iPhone. The iPhone wasn't even actually out yet, and uh, so you couldn't actually have an iPhone. Uh, but everybody already wanted to program for it at WWDC, and because they'd already said that it's going to be Cocoa and Cocoa programmers, as soon as they hear that, they they just get a big stiffy, and they, all they wanted to do was write iPhone software and. At the big announcement with Steve Jobs and uh, Scott Forstall, the guy who's in charge of this, uh, you know, the SDK stuff, they come out they really, they, and they said, that, quote, we have a really, really sweet solution for all you guys who want to write software for the iPhone. And it was, you, you can write web apps and they'll run in mobile Safari. And it was so exactly, there was, uh, the 4,000 people who go to WWDC are the 4,000 people out of the 6 billion on the planet who least wanted to hear that. Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, the consensus, and so it was like, those, those, those announcements go out, and they're like, uh, they're really for the press, you know, I mean, because those things go out, and, and USA Today writes about them, and David Pogue writes about them in the New York Times, and millions and millions of people then read, you know, what Pogue wrote in the New York Times. But for the 4,000 people in the room, I described it in my coverage of that as, as a shit sandwich. Uh, that is, they wanted to hear the opposite, and then it was set up. Like it, the worst part about it was that it was set up as we have a really sweet solution, and and that really, I mean, it was like electric. Like all of a sudden, like nobody was really thinking that's what they're going to say. So the next day, uh, fast forward 24 hours, I'm on the escalators in in the Moscone Center. I'm coming down, and right behind me is Phil Schiller, uh, you know, senior vice president, right right underneath Steve Jobs, the guy who, you know did the Macworld keynote, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I was like, you know what, I'll introduce myself. I turned around and I said, hey, Phil, uh, I'm John Gruber. He goes, hey, John, it's so great to finally meet you. And he was so happy. He, he totally recognized me. And then the next thing out of his mouth was, I've got to disagree with you about that shit sandwich thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, it was like, I, I was just like absolutely blown away that Phil Schiller in the 24 hours after like a huge WWDC keynote had gone to Daring Fireball and read my site. And then we had, we had a wonderful, it was absolutely phenomenal, like little 10 minute thing where we talked and, you know, told me how I was wrong and, you know. Yeah, well. But it blew me away. I mean, it blew me away. Senior Vice President Apple read my thing about. about oh, that's giant. There's, there's like, for anybody, especially if you write stuff, uh, there's no greater thrill than having somebody that you know and admire go, even like, I'm even aware you exist. But like for them to go, like I enjoyed that thing you did. Like like somebody said hi outside a minute ago and said I like that one thing, and like that made my day. Like that's a connection. Like because I did a thing and I do this weird stuff that I can't explain to my family and they don't understand how my daughter eats. But like somebody comes up and goes, "Hey, Truck Spank," or goes like, "Hey, Hipster PDA," and I'm like, "Oh man, that's like I'm not making this shit up. That's awesome." And if I'd gone out there and tried to figure out like how to be somebody else that was already that person. Right, like I, I really like Cory Doctorow, but we already like what's that? There's this great line. Ira Glass does this wonderful series of videos. Ira Glass from This American Life, and he has this great quote where he says, "He says uh, the problem is a lot of people they, they go out and, and they want to be that's my Ira Glass, <laughs> or maybe it's my Alex Bloomberg, but um, 
That's funny. It's the five people, but I'm glad you got it. <laughs> That's C, duh. Um, but he goes, he goes, the thing is, you know, people go out there and they're always trying to like emulate the success of other people. Right? And so you, you get on TV and uh, you, you try to pretend you're Ted Koppel. He's like, but you know what? They've already got a Ted Koppel. They don't need you. So, you know, your, your competition is somebody who had a unique opportunity a long time ago, and now you're going to try to, like, trace the shadow of that on a sidewalk and hope it's a career. Right? I mean, there's, we, got, we got our couple, you know. Now, who are you? Right? And, and our, our instincts, I think, serve us wrong. And I, 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 we call it, like, it's like a lizard brain thing. But, like, our instincts tell us that if you want to write something, I mean, and, and that is part of these assumptions that we're making, is that if you want to write, and we say write because that's what we do, but, again, it could be photography. It could be, you know, a series just, just making, like, a short film a week. Any kind of thing. But, I mean, obviously the whole reason you're publishing it is that you do want to find a readership or, or watchership. What do you call the people who watch videos? I don't know. Listenership for a podcast. Right. Uh, but you want to find an audience. I mean, and it's, you know, who knows? We, you know, who knows what the, the, the drive is for that. But the irony is, there, or the, the, <clears throat> the mismatch is that our instincts tell us that if you want to find an audience, you should try to make something that is like the things people are already enjoying. Right, like how many, do you guys remember, you're probably not old enough to remember this, but like after Star Wars came out, between like 1970, 78 and like 1980, there was like an unbelievable crap of movies and TV shows that were just unbelievably bad because they wanted to cash in on the Star Wars thing. And yeah, they probably made a little bit of dough, but like apart from Battlestar Galactica, like can you name that's the old one, don't get mad, don't write letters. But the um but like can you name like a bunch of like I'm sure some of you can. Why am I even saying this? So actually Space Space Wars 79 featured a uh, Dan Blocker, who had been on Bonanza. He was the oh, so but <sighs> Ted Koppel was Ted Koppel because a bunch of Americans got kidnapped. And Americans cared a lot about what happened to them. And so they started this little show for a half hour every night. Right? Right. It, whole, it, it started, uh, the Nightline started with the, um, the Iranian hostage situation. There were 44 Americans in Iran, and they weren't going to let them go. The country, like, you, know, you don't remember this because you're all like 20 with the SMS, but like, America was gripped. This is a country that had not had its ass kicked in a, in a pretty long time. And we were totally gobsmacked by what to do about a bunch of people in the Middle East. That's air quotes if you're listening in audio. Um, what are we going to do with these crazy people who took – America was gripped. Right, because it, it, like, it was like a sense of impotence because they've got them and right. we're like, give them back. And they're like, no. And then that's it. That's it. But, but Sorry. So, so the, the, what, what did ABC News have? Is ABC News had the, the Peter Jennings show that's on at 7 or, or 6.30 or whatever, and it's a half hour, and they have to cover everything in the world, everything that goes in Washington and everything that goes on worldwide, and then there's a bit on sports. And, and so they, you know, they, there's like 90 seconds every night for an update on, on the Iranian hostage situation. But it was this thing that people were obsessed about. Ted Koppel was completely obsessed about. And so he was like, all right, why don't we do a 30-minute show? You know, what time is open? When can I get on? And they're like, uh, uh, 11.30, 12, maybe 12. Like against Johnny Carson? Yeah, right. sorry. You can get on it. Yeah, we got nothing. We, you know, they were showing like the, the million-dollar movie at the time. Um, and so they just invented a totally new show, 30 minutes every night, 
on the exact same topic every night, which is everything new about this Iranian hostage situation. Right. And so like today you go, oh, you know what? I really admire Ted Koppel. I want to be Ted Koppel. Well, you're going to need a couple things. The first one is you're going to need like a red wig. And then second, (laughs) you're going to need a time machine. Because the reason Ted Koppel is Ted Koppel is not so different from the reason that Michael Arrington is Michael Arrington or John Gruber is John Gruber, which is you cannot recreate the context, the timing, the everything of a moment where something happened, right? I was saying this last night. Who was saying this to you last night to, to Jim Kudal? Uh, you know, I think a lot of Americans don't re- realize that in 1943, we didn't know we were going to win the war. Right? If you're 20, you just assume that we always used to win wars. In 1943, ask your grandparents. It was pretty freaky, man. People didn't know what was going to happen. We lose that when we just try. So, like, let's say, for example, I don't know, take any example of a site that you admire. And instead of just focusing on the voice or just focusing on the topic, there's no way to recreate somebody else's success. And why would you try? And which is not a way to say, I'm, and again, I think you have stuff to say about this, but I would say, like, it's not, I'm not saying go out and, like, learn from somebody else's playbook. I am, in fact, saying go do that. But there's that 37 Signals thing not long ago that you linked to. It was like, like, what is it you're copying? You know, are you copying the right thing when you try to repurpose somebody's theoretical success for what you want to do? Right. And, and uh, so, I mean, how many people here have heard of the 37 Signals? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, so they've got the base camp, which is their, their, uh, project management app, and uh, and they invented Ruby on Rails to power it, and you get all this stuff for free. And then after they got successful, there's all these other web apps that have come out. Maybe there's nothing to do with project management. It's not that people have tried to rip it off the app, but they'll make another app that does something else, but it looks like a 37 Signals app. It's just got all these little like visual cues that are very very distinct, and it's theirs, and it's it's you can move the rows around, and it's a clean design. You and know, it's, but it's like they're copying the wrong thing. It's it's like it, it's almost like you 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 see a Honda Accord and you decide, oh, that's a nice car. I'll make one like that. And then you just sit there and look at it, and you just end up with like a paper mache car. I mean, you're just using yeah. you know wet tissue paper. Uh, there's nothing to it. It's just hollow. Whereas what the the thing that's worth copying is is the attitude that they had at the outset. What made them do it? And project management meant things like Gantt charts and. Uh, Every project, well, I was a project manager for a while, and everything that was out there, no offense against any of the apps, but it was like, it was assumed that making software was necessarily like making a bridge instead of being a little more agile and just having the stuff you need, you know? And they, their approach, it's the same thing as Google. It would be like, like saying, oh, well, I'm going to go create a white page with two buttons and become the most successful company in the world. Or like my rant, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to shut up about this. I'm so tired of every social media douche going, Zappos is on Twitter. And you're like, yeah, they're on Twitter after putting millions of dollars into customer support. It's like getting an account on Twitter does not make you Zappos. Having, having, the, resources, having the resources behind serving the shit out of your audience makes you Zappos. And it doesn't happen overnight with a login and an email that you click on a link. So anyway, not to go on a rant. Have you, have you ever read the uh, – because, you know, Comcast is on Twitter now. <laughs> Comcast, Comcast, they're in Philadelphia too, right? They Comcast at responses are very entertaining. They've built like a Death Star. They have built, a, there's a new, the, it is now the tallest uh, skyscraper in, in Philadelphia. It is, it is like, it is like the, 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 the tower of hell that cable bills built. 
Yeah, the only difference is but if they're, you ever, they're, if destroying you wanna, the, they're destroying the planet more slowly than the Death if Star. If you wanna, ever want to entertain yourself on, on search.twitter.com, just type in at Comcast and read, read the things that people say to Comcast. Yeah. Once it became known that Comcast was paying somebody right. to monitor Twitter for mentions of Comcast, it did not turn they Comcast just, they into They should hire Ryan King to just have a bot that writes back and goes, Sorry. You know, that's really all they need. At whoever just flamed me, sorry. <laughs> Your bandwidth? Your bandwidth has been, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Why can't I get torrents? It's, it, it is, it is, it's kind of, you know, I have this thing, again, everybody thinks I'm such a dick because I, I like, I think social media is more, I think it's important enough to take seriously. I think that very much has to do with it. So people think, oh, you're down on social media. Why are you such a jerk? And I'm like, because social media, when it's really social media, is not about what you have to say. It's having a tolerance for what people have to say about you, which is so different from posting about your great run. <laughs> social media is when they say, you're a jackass. Stop talking about your run. That's social media. And that's, that's the conversation. And I think, I think kind of what we're saying is, you know, you do have to be open. There has to be a certain amount of tolerance that you have for every aspect of this. The biggest tolerance that you've got to have, and I'm as thin-skinned as anybody. I don't like people saying mean things about me. But I think what we're saying in some ways is you need a tolerance. This is going to sound so unhelpful. You need a tolerance for having no idea where your thing is going. You know, Because if you have too much of an idea of what it is, like you may be accidentally making the wrong thing. If you're not responding to what's really happening, if you're just going like, my goal is this, I'm going to have this thing, and I will have this many followers, and there will be this many comments, and I will have a rich community. And uh, instead of going listening to what people say and making the thing, and it's, it's, a real, it's a real tightrope walk. Because, yeah, you do have to be arrogant enough to think that it matters to try at this stuff. And, yeah, you do have to be arrogant enough to look at stats and see what kind of material people enjoy. But... There's all kinds of ways. We were talking about this earlier. I was like, it's like all this social media stuff is like a giant set of extremely sharp knives. We're like, there's, they're, they're just knives, but like you can use them for good or ill. Like SEO, SEO is fantastic because it gives people URLs that make sense. But you know, it does, it isn't, it is bad if you're trying to fool people into clicking things. But I, I don't know. We should, we should probably. Move on. How are we doing on time? How are we doing? doing oh, we're doing great on time. Yeah. We should slow it down. That's terrific. I. I think that the, the, the big irony is that there's was, there was this old maxim. I don't know. It was probably I, – I wish there was some kind of like thing where you could just search, search the web. Right. Yeah. That would be all. I, I, tried, I tried to look for my – Sir, what was that reference that you made in your so earlier tweet? What was that? I, I should probably know who to attribute it to. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's just something that's been around forever. But there's the saying that, uh, you know, we have, it's great that we have freedom of the press but in this country. But – the only people who really have freedom of the press are those who can afford a printing press. And it's, it's totally true. I mean, it was, you know, you, you could not reach, you could say what you wanted, but you could not reach a big crowd unless you had the money to, um, to reach them. And a television station costs gazillions of dollars, and printing newspapers, uh, even, even making, in the old days in the when 80s, newspapers... making a zine, like just going to Kinko's and making a zine and having to, like, pay postage on that, it was extraordinary. And you'd still reach, like, a tiny fraction of people. Like, Maximum R&R, like, what was Maximum R&R's greatest... Uh, circulation, like you know, put, going on newsprint. It's like today everybody owns a little press. Or look at Boing Boing. I mean, Boing Boing was a totally. zine, yeah. and I never even heard of it. I mean, but right. it was apparently very popular. But then, about ukuleles, I think, right? Yeah. Something like that. But I mean, but then when they, you know, with the internet, it literally is the solution to that problem, where everybody can afford uh, uh, their own printing press and and can reach tremendous scale. I mean, a seven dollar a month web hosting account. 
will almost certainly saturate. You, you will be able to satisfy anybody who could even be vaguely interested in what you will say. It's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you could go to Tumblr, and Tumblr, I mean, what is, it's free, right? It's free. Marco's here. Shout out for Marco. Anybody like Tumblr? Yeah. Anybody like Tumblr? Marco's here. Give him a big hand. No, it's totally true. And what's funny is I started doing this stuff related to this web stuff in the mid-'90s, and um, I had to ha- I sat there with BB Edit and Fetch and had to, like, go. I mean, <laughs> someday I'm going to tell you guys about when I ran a giant conference site by outputting flat files out of FileMaker Pro with a script. That, that's how you used to publish if you were me and you didn't understand Perl and Apache. Like you had Go Live Cyber Studio, you know? <laughs> but like, so I mean, like, I think it's interesting. Like, I still remember, like, uh, you know, the Peter Merholzes of the world, like, having conversations about, well, or like Rebecca Blood talking about, like, well, is this a blog or is that a blog? Like, what's a blog? And I think now, I mean, I'm not even sure blog is that great of a term anymore to describe anything because it can mean it could mean Gawker or it could mean something on Blogspot or it could mean you know some incredibly awful corporate site with basically press releases with a permalink, and that's really different from me going in and hand coding every page. So I, it's important to acknowledge that, like you say, it's not that we want for tools. If anything. God, people hate me. I, I, I mean, one thing that bugs me is like, I if I don't post on Twitter, I get seven percent more followers per day <laughs> because I'm annoying. I think and because funny. words are harder than buttons. You know, that's the problem. It's super easy to post nowadays. It's I think what's to funnier is that you comment. know you've actually looked and studied the statistics. I ran it. No, I ran it in numbers. I ran it in numbers because I stopped tooting for several weeks and it kept going up like inexplicably. It's like, what are you following? I'm not here. <laughs> It's like, and it wasn't that funny to begin with. It's like, I just, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, and I'm not trying to play the douche card and say, like, you've got to be anyway. What I'm saying is that the tolerance that I'm encouraging you to have is, first of all, a tolerance that um, if there's something that you're kind of into doing, that you're pretty excited about and think about a lot, you know, and also, what was it we were talking about earlier? Like, how do you know that you should probably start a blog? Right. Like, people keep telling you to shut up. Like, right? You're like, uh, oh, like, whatever. Cowboys. I love the cowboys. Wah, wah, wah. I love the cowboys. You're like, you know what? If you love the cowboys, like, why don't you either gay marry them or start a blog? <laughs> right? And like, how do you know? Like, do you, no, do you go like, oh, what's a popular topic? Web 2.0. Uh, or do you go like, I really, I, you know, look at like Perez Hilton. Like, I don't love Perez Hilton's site, but you so know Perez Hilton. I'm not a giant TechCrunch reader, but you totally know TechCrunch when you see it. You know, it's like... They're obsessed with certain things. Right. I, I mean, uh, like with TechCrunch, and, and it's, that's one of those sites that because it has become so popular and people talk about it being worth you know, $20 million or whatever. So then all the people who go in all the way back to the beginning and who start with the idea of, okay, I want to make a lot of dough on the internet with a website, so who should I copy? And then they look at TechCrunch and, and then they, they copy the format, they copy the, the things that he writes about. But... The way TechCrunch started was that Mike Arrington, uh, who I agree, he's a, he's a total dick. I, I didn't mean, say that. I did not right. say that. I don't think, hey, easy, easy. I he's, didn't. He's got parents. I don't Be mean nice. it. What, you think, he's, you think he's a dick? Well, he's a big... Uh, he's got some journalism kind of... No, I meant it. I meant it. No, he seems okay. He's no, he's a dick. Okay. He's a total dick. Can I, can I point out one thing in passing? Uh, a bunch of you, I'm sure people are going to go toot about this now or whatever, and John's going to have to go get in a fight. But, um, but can I just point out why I love John Gruber? Uh, one of the reasons is John Gruber so doesn't care if you agree with him. <laughs> right? And like, yeah, whatever, the two of us are dicks. But like, you know, I just so admire people who, who don't need me to love them. 
I have so much affection for somebody who really believes something, and their belief and interest in something is way more important than me pretending to like them. And I just have so much admiration for that. And to the extent that you can, and in the way that you need to for what you do, I think you have to do that too. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but I think, I think figuring out like it's okay to have a strong voice about something, right? Look at like Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter. I am not persuaded that that many people agree 100% with Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter. But you know what you're getting. It's like, it's like watching pro wrestling, right? It's like they're characters and they have a voice. And personally, I don't find them very, like, I don't find what they have to say very useful, but I get why people listen to them. Or Howard Stern. I'm getting a little off topic, but I guess what I'm saying is um, we should move on to this next bit. The, the, the reason where I'm going with that tolerance is just this idea of we should get into the money part. Yeah, we should. Do we? we should. Uh, I'll just one more thing before yeah. we go to the money part is is with the Arrington thing is that Arrington. <laughs> so at everyone or at Gruber says at TechCrunches. It at fits Dick. right in with with our general thing where you find your obsession at Gruber. <laughs> You find your obsession that no one else is writing about, and then you just pour yourself into it. And here's a guy who, for whatever reason, his obsession is venture capital funding for web startups in the Bay Area, which is a dirty, rotten, disgusting business, and it's just vile. And so no wonder the site is dirty, rotten, disgusting, and and vile. It's, It's a rotten, disgusting topic. But... That's he's a what, lawyer. He's a lawyer. Like, he knows what forms to fill out to, like, ruin you. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, he's probably, got, he's probably got, like, three interns that I, do nothing but fill out forms to ruin people all day long. He's no, got I, chunks of guys like you in his poop. I know that that's why. I know that he's a lawyer, and I know that that's why he does that bullshit thing. He, he's mad. Like, he'll, 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 he'll punch a bitch. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm faster than you think so. He seems like he might be a little logy. Yeah, yeah. I like. I saw. I met him once, and I, I kind of like sized him up. He's he's kind of doughy. I thought he. I thought. I thought, I, I, I thought he was pretty nice. Like we've met a couple times. No, I'm being straight up. I I I don't enjoy his sight that much, but I like. He seems like a nice enough guy. Anyway, what I was going to say was because I want. I don't. I I really. I love uh, John's wife and his son a lot, and I think we should move on. Is that. Um, <laughs> But the, the, the amb- final for the end of Act Two, the uh, the final ambiguity that I would like you to think about is ambiguity about how this turns into a way for you to become rich on the internet, um, because it's contrary to what a lot of uh, social media and blogging douches will tell you. It's not easy, and a lot of people <laughs> who act like they're making an assload of money are just full of crap. Uh, it's really, I mean, I'm not saying it's a hard job, but I am saying do not assume that everybody who has ads on their site is making a killing, regardless of what they say at the CPM is. Because the real opportunities of this stuff, and this sounds like bullshit, but I'm dead serious. The giant opportunities in this are not short-term gains. I'm giving you an opinion here, which I don't usually do. But the, the real long-term gains for you are not page views and CPMs. It's the opportunities that come out of being awesome at what you do. And if you think that's BS, then, like, I can't help you. But I swear to God, if you look at the people around you who, like, seem like they were born on third base, yeah, it's good timing. Yeah, it's hard work. Um, but, but I think a lot of it is they had a tolerance. They had a tolerance for the ambiguity about where it was going to go. They had a tolerance for the fact that they were not going to take short-term money that got in the way of what they really wanted to do. And the ancillary revenue streams and opportunities that come up as a result of making extremely high-quality content. I mean, has there ever been a better time to make something awesome on the Internet? People don't have money to buy things anymore. I don't know if you know this. There's no money. 
like, you're lucky they're on dial-up connections. Maybe they're Barnes & Noble. Somebody wants to look at a computer at the Apple store, and they want to go check their Facebook. People don't have money. And they're looking. They're starved for content that speaks to them that's, that's not a reality show. I'm going to stop ranting. But I do well, think it, that's important. But there's, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's uh, like those MasterCard commercials where there's, there's more than money can buy. And it's oh, terribly trite and so obvious and not interesting. And, and we're all bright, clever people. And so we don't really think about, uh, about little canards that aren't very interesting. But a lot of times they're very true. They're totally true. And there are things that money cannot buy that have tremendous value. And one of them, I mean, I mean you're practically making a career on it, is that attention, human attention is valuable and it is limited. There is nothing you can possibly do to to give one person more attention in a day. You wake up, you have 18 hours, and then you go to sleep. And in that time, you only have so much attention. It's a limited resource. You can't directly buy it. You can't. There's there's right. no dollar value on it. And you and, have to, it accretes over time. But it is incredibly valuable. And so that is the one thing when you give stuff away on the internet. And it's like, well, then how am I going to get paid for it? Well, you're going to get paid in attention. And I know you cannot pay your rent. I mean, I know, honestly, you can't pay well. your rent with attention. I mean, I've tried. Yeah. Um, you can't buy fast cars. There's all sorts of stuff you can't buy with it. But it has value, and you'd be surprised at what happens when it builds up. And there's, there's one other thing I just want to underscore, because I'm going to not done kissing Zelvin's ass. I'm going to kiss his ass for a minute. There's one point that I really don't want to miss in all this ranting, which is the result of the confluence of voice or you know, obsession and, and what you have to, does that make sense? Do you follow what I'm saying? Like you've got something that you care a lot about and you're obsessed about. It's almost like an intellectual fetish. And then you've got something with it's your angle on that. And to me, the more you zero in on both of those things, get crazy specific about the thing. If you're just – don't have a blog about Star Wars. Have a blog about Jawas or uh, like this one Jawa that's just in the scene for a minute. Like it's going to be so much easier for you to dominate, first of all. You're going to become the go-to guy for that one Jawa, right? And what does that mean? Well, like, when something happens in the world of Apple, as is so often the case, do I go to Google News? Do I go to... I, actually, David Pogue's pretty great. But um, no, I go to Daring Fireball. Because cause John not only tells me that something happened, he tells me why, he tells me what's happened in a very kind of terse, well-edited way with his little New York Times-style guide that he's so in love with. Um, he tells me what happened, he tells me what it means, and then he tells me what he thinks about it. And how many people do you know who are capable of doing all three of those? Well, I'll tell you what. On the internet, there's a ton of people that will tell you that something happened. Mostly they're going to like link from somebody else who told them that it happened. When I want to know, when I have like a, a yeah. collection of index cards and right. I want to know the best way to paperclip oh, them together. So angry, so angry into right like now. An, <laughs> some sort of like official way. <laughs> you know, what model number uh, paper clips Stanley I Kubrick. I, I, <laughs> I, no, I, I just want to be clear. I admire you, but I, I do not like you. I, <laughs> We're done. I, is that, oh, is that Blinky? Is that Blinky to leave? I think I just, I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> Am I here? Are you guys? It's like that video for one. Are you sure you guys are really here? That's something it's exploded. a Metallica song. Um, you did a thing. I want to say, I have this printed out. I've got to read this. Sure. Because when we were at the final stages of planning this, I don't even know what well, drove you to month, just forward right? this to me. But uh, somebody just out of the blue wrote to you, and, and it was like a young kid. I don't know. He's like 22. And he was like, hey, I love your site. I want to do something similar like this. Um, and I, you know, you care about blah, blah, blah. What are your advices to me as a young blogger who wants to take it seriously? 
And, and here's what you wrote. I'm going to read this. And this is the, gr- the greatest thing I advise everybody who ever wants to speak on a thing like this. Do a co-thing. Because then it's like complete liberty to just steal anything that the other person has ever written. Um, one, give away more stuff than you think you should and make it easy for people to get. Two, focus on diverse secondary revenue streams and always have your eyes open for new and replacement ones. And three, don't do stuff that seems profitable but potentially messes up the reason people like you. And, and that it, in three items, that is so exactly what I think is the right way to do this in a way that you will be surprised at, at the opportunities that present yourself. Thanks. Uh, I hope it helped. Um, and the thing is, again, it's just so important to underscore that, like, I'm not just sandbagging. Like, I, I don't think I do all this stuff great all the time. But here's the thing. There's very little to lose at first when you start doing this stuff. Because, yeah, you're doing it in public, but you also have time to figure out what it is that you're doing. And, in fact, there's a certain obligation that you have to constantly re-figure out what you're doing. Right? Because it's easy enough to figure out how to do one thing once. To have a long live career in this stuff, you've got to figure out how to do it over and over and over. And I just think these are patterns that make sense. The giving away stuff, this is where, let's be honest, this is where we're so much smarter than corporate America. Let's be honest. It's the opportunity. I mean, we're the mammal. Giant. It's mammals versus dinosaurs. It is. It is. It's like, it's like how many ways can I like figure out how to make this hard for you to do and then not make money out of it? It's mind-blowing to me where I'm like, you know, how, how about a world where you decide that you're selling ideas rather than plastic or paper? Yeah, you know what? If you have enough great ideas that people steal, whatever that means. Well, if you've got enough great ideas, then people will want to buy your paper and plastic. But if you start out by going, I'm a, I'm a merchant of paper or a merchant of plastic, nobody hears that you sell paper and goes, oh, that's for me. Right? And so to me, like, you go, you know, damn right it's free. Uh, Jill, I, I said this recently at that, this panel in Atlanta, but in 2007, I did a talk at Google. Uh, I went and I showed up with a computer and I talked. And I talked about email to some people who really needed to hear about it. You were there. Greg Bean was there. Hi, Greg. Um, and I said, hey, here's the stuff you should do with email. And it's this thing I do called Inbox Zero. And the last service time... Mark, service Mark. Service Mark Merlin, man. I did actually got a service mark. Yeah. Hired Arrington. The, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm kidding, Mike. Don't kill me. I love my daughter. Um, I did that. To, anyway, I'm not, not trying to go yay me, but like I went in there that day just saying, okay, this is cool. I'm going to have, I'm going to hang out with Veen and like, this will be fun. And the last time I checked on Google Video, um, this, people didn't watch the whole thing. But like it had started to load at least over 400,000 times. And now people say, hey, come to tell this to my company. Right? Like, and if I had just, like I say, it's like if I had gone, no, you've got to pay a nickel to watch me talk about email on the internet, would you have done it? Like, like some of you know Inbox Zero, right? Some of you have heard it or seen it, like, or are sick of hearing about it. But like, you know it. And why do you know it? You know it because it was made embeddable, and anybody could go, "What is what is embedding a video on your website mean?" I mean, sometimes you're making fun of stuff, but most of the time, when you embed something, something you're saying, "This is something I relate to." And if you keep that sealed in a little jar, and then make people pay just to see the jar, let alone what's inside of it. That's mind-boggling to me. You, at one time, I was giving you shit about this. At one time, you had a membership model where if you wanted the full RSS feed, you had to be a member. Right. I was, was that easy to maintain? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and the craziest thing about it is uh, how many people here use the Google Reader? 
Yeah, look at all those hands. Wow, look at that. That's Single biggest source of traffic. Right, Google Reader is huge, right? And everybody loves Google Reader. Here's the thing that was so fucked up about my, my you have to pay to get the RSS feeds. It was not like a supply and demand problem. I did have plenty of readers who were like, I am happy to pay. And my idea, my thinking was, I might want to put ads on a website, ads in RSS. I don't know if that's going to work out. So I can't just, I can't just put everything in there for free. Uh, I'll charge 20 bucks a year. Here's the thing. The feeds didn't even work with Google Reader because Google Reader doesn't do – I had like the authentication to get, you know, you get like username and password. So the single most popular reader didn't even work with them. I mean in, in hindsight, it's like, oh my god. I mean you know, I needed a smack. But at the time, because right, you guys have done this. You've had, some of you are entrepreneurs and business people and people who try to make money on things. Your first thought is like this panicky lizard – again, lizard brain idea of like, oh, how do I make a little money off of this? And you end up, it's almost like going to Safeway and like Safeway is going to give you a free sample, but they're going to like put way too much salt on it because you're a deadbeat, you know? (laughs) It's like if you don't give stuff away and let people figure out why you're awesome, why would they ever be interested in anything that you do? And if you don't have the confidence to go like my ideas and the things that I have to say are so valuable that like I'm not worried that I'll run out of them. I'm not worried that there's any scarcity to what I have to say about this. So yeah, people scrape my RSS feed hundreds of times a day, but... That's not me. I'm not my RSS feed. I'm the ideas that went into the RSS feed. So I think one of the things that is so frustrating for me to watch people who just don't seem to be taking advantage. I mean, it's, again, so trite, but the Internet is awesome. It is totally fucking awesome. You can do anything. And the thing that is so amazing is that it's not just that. that down, maybe Twitter that. Right, yeah. yeah, Credit to me. R.T. at Gruber. (laughs) is that it's not just that we all have a printing press now, and now we can do the same thing that, that, that big media companies with big printing presses and Teamsters and trucks that they can deliver their, their stuff can do. It's that we can actually do it better. We can do it in ways that actually make people happier. It'll make people happier to read stuff on, on my website or your website right. um, where it's just not even – it's not all crapped up, and it's, it's just honest, and it's plain written, and you can yeah. just have it. Or uh, – Jonathan Colton, you can just go to his website and the music is just MPEG threes, and you just you know give him some money and you yeah, download. Yeah, if the you stuff. want you want to put it in a movie, fine, give me credit and put it in there. Right, right. Or like you know RSS, it's so amazing to me. That like we should get on this next point. We got ten minutes, but this whole thing of like I need you to do it this way or I'll be sad. You know, it's like you know what I don't care if you would print it out. Like oh my god, I'm so glad you're even a little bit interested in this. Put it on Kindle, thank you, Marco. Do whatever you want to do with it. Like you know. But do something with it. And like, it's hilarious to me, especially when people are like, you know, they've got this very small amount. It's not funny to me that they aren't successful, but it's funny to me that people get so torqued up about all this IP stuff when nobody cares what they're doing. And you look at the people who have the confidence to go, I'm a giant successful, like Jonathan. Jonathan's incredibly, Jonathan Colton is incredibly successful precisely because he's given it all away. So this is a, this is a really douchey one, so let's do this fast. Yeah. Um, I said this at this public media conference, and I really believe this. Don't become too obsessed with the thing you're determined to make money on. And for most folks, that's I wrote something, and now I need to make this much money on it. And if you've got a pro blog and you're paying people to do multiple posts a day or whatever, you need that kind of ROI. Your Excel has to line up. But if you're a personal publishing person, um, I think it's really valuable to say, I'm going to keep my ears open. Maybe, you know, you need to figure out what you can live with. Like, is an Amazon store okay? Is selling links okay? What am I going to do, right? Well, and like, am I going to have like a little store where you could buy a camera? And stuff that didn't work starts to work 
uh, you know, like Amazon stuff never made me more than like I don't know ten dollars a month, and then all of a sudden it started making me real money. I don't, I mean, I don't know what I did differently, but then you know, then and you've got to, but again, you could, so you can make a boatload of money on Amazon, but you also have to weigh the extent to which people go, God, you're being kind of a dick with the Amazon links, right? And you have to listen to when people are saying enough already, right? Uh, and then what's the last one? Oh, that yeah. You want to do this one? Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, because you, you, this is you, dude. Number three is you. This is all you. Don't do stuff that seems profitable but potentially messes up the reason people like you. Yeah, that's you too. I mean, no, that's, really. You know, I love no, you. I, I got have done so many dumb things. I do. I still do so many stupid things, and it's like it takes me a while to figure it out. I'm having a cookie. I hope you don't mind. Oh, good cookie. Um, but that's like crummy text links and and yeah. Really- I sold I sold text links on my site site for a while, and um, I didn't feel good about it. It made like pretty good dough. Um, and I, I, I so sometimes now, just a quick side note, like I kind of still can't believe people do that just because even if, if you don't care about breaking Google, it's just kind of surprising. But like I did a thing where like I do a lot, my, a lot of my reading where like I'll throw stuff into Evernote to read later and I'll do that. Uh, like I'll do, strip out all the CSS and just throw it at Evernote. And there was a site, somebody who had written for Kevin Kelly's site and went and visit uh, cool tools. I went and visited his page in plain text or in, you know, unstyled. It was totally like all poker and Viagra links at the top of the page. <laughs> and so like this guy who like and I'm not gonna I'm not trying to call the guy out, I'm not trying to like shame him, because that's his decision. But what did his decision mean? His decision meant that for me I went, Wow, I'm not sure I'm gonna read the rest of this. Cause like that's uh, that's not I don't know. For where I am in my life right now, that's kinda not cool. And so like I don't know, and again, I'm not trying to shame him, but I am saying I know you do shit like this all the time. I know there's all kinds of people that you just won't even link to. Because they're what they got the Kubrick theme running and they haven't even tried, right? <laughs> but you know, do you know what I'm saying? Do you ever do that? You go somewhere and you're like, "Wow, there's just too many ads on this page," or there's something, and like you have to figure out for the folks you're trying to reach, how do you find the balance of making a little bit of dough, and but still not crushing the bunny by having the person who might give you a hundred thousand dollars visit the site and go, "Wow." This guy sure is interested in poker and Viagra. Well, I'll give you an example that I, I really hate, and you have to be careful about it, is with, with sites that do like a lot of, you know, t- 10, 10 links Aging. a day about, about uh, uh, Mac News, and they will find something interesting, and instead of just sending you there to read it, they will do their best to summarize it. And sometimes the summaries, the ones that I call out, I have called out a couple over the times, where their summary is longer than the thing that they were linking to originally. And then the link's after the jump. Right, and then the link is after the jump. And the whole point, of course, is to just sort of steal the idea and not even send you there. Um, and, of course, it seems profitable because it is you're getting the page views for it, and then you're trying to get other people to link to you instead of the original site. Uh, but it's, in the long run, I think it's I think it's terrible because I think I think readers know I think readers eventually find out they'll, they'll notice hey that that wasn't even theirs and then and then your credibility is gone. Um, we should kind of start wrapping up. I don't, we might have time for a couple questions. Or one but... more, one one quick more is the pagination thing, and oh, that is something dude, the pagination thing. Right. Uh, wow, that's hot. I mean, I, I twittered this last week, so it, this might be a repeat for some of you. But I, I, I said uh, I think I'm developing a form of dyslexia. Every time I see next page. I think it says, stop reading and close this tab. Uh, and the worst part is if you talk to people who work at real, real sites, I mean, uh, like real newspapers, real magazines, not, 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 not shitbag sites, like good sites, they know, they have the stats. They know that almost everybody stops reading an article when they get to the first click here to go to the next page. They know that they do it, and they do it anyway because they get like uh, half of a penny for everybody who does click. Right. Uh, so that, that last couple thing, on the, so the, the corrupting influence of choosing a business model that doesn't support the way you like to roll. 
So if the CPM model ends up corrupting the way that you want to treat your audience, then you have to be circumspect about that. Uh, we should probably wrap up. But um, just a couple – I think one thing, John, we didn't talk about this when we were talking earlier. But like something we talked about initially was talking about kind of the continuum idea. Remember that? And just kind of this idea of like this is not – yeah, we've got a strong opinion. You should have a strong opinion too. But ultimately a lot of this stuff is just about iterative decision-making. Like coming out of the box, always trying to work really hard to do something good is just a good idea. But then as you evolve and as what you make evolves, I think also, I don't know, just being open to kind of like, I don't know. Am I making any sense? Does that make any sense at all? No? Really? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it, does, it does matter, though. It does matter. And it matters to connect the people that you really admire and respect. Um, and so I think figuring out how to do that in a way that gives you what you need is just about making those decisions. And there's nothing that's absolutely wrong. I mean, except for a few things. <laughs> always, always, always be linking. And uh, <laughs> there's a few things that I, but generally, like whatever you decide to do, as long as that supports what you want to do, just try really hard at it. I what do you want to close it. with? You got anything? Any advice? No, I think that's it. Yeah, any really question? Anybody, one question. One question. Anybody question? Somebody go to the mic. Hey, it's Ramil. Yeah. Hey, uh, hi, it's me, Merlin, uh, back here at the podcast. Uh, I know uh, right now it's really hard to hear, but that's our friend Gabe, uh, who's Ramil on uh, Twitter, and he's really cool. And right now he is uh, asking us a question about how we use Twitter, and uh, then, then we, uh, we, we answer it. Yeah, I, I kind of use Twitter as like the, it, 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 you know, all right, you could say if, if, if Daring Fireball is anal retentive, it's like the little punctured hole in the back where all this shit just flies. Because I don't care, you know. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll spend six weeks posting nothing but, but stuff about Sarah Palin and her, her family. And, oh, that was a rough time. Oh, that, that was, was that was very popular. <laughs> you, you, were, you were one of the many that I had to take a little break from. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm, yeah, I mean, like, you, that's, that's what's interesting about Twitter. I, Michael Opp, you're, you're the one who said this. I think what's great about Twitter is you only have to really see things you don't like if you want to see things you don't like. If you just follow the people you really like, that's the way to roll. Uh, uh, well, Twitter for me is 140 characters of id, and I'll own that. Um, but, like, seriously, go out and have fun, but, like, make something really kick ass and, like, uh, try to really impress the people that you love. We have been... John Gruber. And Merlin Mann. Thank you for coming. And there we were. Sorry, that was a long hour. But I, I, uh, did you like that, John? That turned out pretty good, huh? Don't you think? I think it turned out great. I, I usually yeah. hate my speaking uh, appearances in, in hindsight. I, I listen to them or watch them, and it never, never turns out at all like I imagined. And this one, for whatever reason, it, it seemed like we, uh, we really hit it. It could have gone, gone worse. I feel the same way. For me, it's like taking a bandage away and like having an idea that there's going to be a gunshot wound underneath it and then just kind of poking at it and, and discovering it really does hurt a lot. That's you know pretty much everything I've ever done. That's how. Yeah, I or like maybe you go you go in to have like some cosmetic surgery and you right. think you're going to get like a Brad Pitt and, and you take off the bandage and it's Andy Dick. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a little dick under most of my bandages. Um, you know, uh, we should we should go. But listen, I want to I want to say a special thanks uh, to everybody who came out. And all, to be honest, I mean, you know, all the folks who have said a bunch of nice stuff. It's been really cool. And I want to especially thank our pal Dave Gray, who uh, did some wonderful drawings while John and I were talking. And on the on the uh, post that's associated with uh, this podcast episode, you will see some of those. And I will point you to Dave's site. I encourage you to check out his work. Um, anybody you want to acknowledge, John? Yeah, we should thank Hugh Forrest from uh, yeah. South by Southwest. Yeah, I mean, the guy does a fantastic job, and he's everywhere. I mean, he's tall. I, I, he's very I, I, tall, and he's calm. It's 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 inexplicable. 
I almost suspect it's one of those gags where maybe he's like a twin and there's two of them and, and they never they, – they, 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 they make it seem like uh, – you know, like it's one guy because yeah, he's yeah. every step and whenever step you need him, use. whenever you actually like need help, he's right there and and helps you out. So thank you, thanks to Hugh. Totally. And oh, did you want to thank your uh, your pal Arrington? Did you want to say? Uh, oh yeah, thanks th- thanks to Mike Arrington for having yeah. a great you, sense yeah. of humor. Yeah, and you haven't had any problems. You haven't found any like dead cats on your doorstep or anything. No, you know what's funny though? You brought that up in the thing, and and I got confused with that 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 part. I, I uh, you said Mike Arrington, and right. I kind of went off. I, I thought we were talking about Nick Denton. <laughs> You confused Michael, Michael Harrington and Nick Denton. Yeah, I get my dirtbags confused. Oh, you know they both got pretty big heads. That Denton guy, he's got a, he's got a gourd on him. You know. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of like a yeah, it's like a Humphrey Bogart type thing. You know, Humphrey Bogart's head was uh, it was about four feet four feet tall, and he had very very small feet. Did you know that? Yeah, very small feet and an enormous head, and it made him look fantastic in black and white. He cried at his own wedding. I always found that yeah. very moving. You know, that's a guy who really cared. Smoked a little too much. But uh, but yeah. but a good man. All right, John. Well, you know, if anything happens, if you need uh, a witness or anything, uh, you know, let us know because now you got you got two powerful blog guys with giant heads after you. So watch your ass. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thanks a lot, everybody, and uh, and many thanks to John. Please go to his site, DaringFireball.net, if you're not going there already. It's a tremendous lot of fun. And this was super fun for I think for both of us to do. So uh, thank you very much. This is Forty Three Folders, and until next time, I'll see you in cyberspace. <laughs>